0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com.
1: This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in
0: Disney Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Sadness is in the house! Oh no! Hello! I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's
1: Inside Out 2.
0: There's a part two? We're going!
1: Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters
0: Friday. Get tickets now.
1: Are back for another episode of the X-Man Podcast. I'm your host, Doc Coyle. Thank you so much for checking out the program. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since the last show, and I think I have to just come to accept that when I get really, really, really busy with band work, that, you know, the podcast is just going to... We have to get to it when we get to it. And I think every other week is okay. I hope you guys are okay with it. I know you want it every week, but I do believe in quality over quantity. And I'm definitely going for quality guests and, you know, making sure I can put 100% into the show when I do it. So essentially, uh, between this show and the last, I did the wedding band gig and then immediately had to go. I was home for like five days and had to go to Las Vegas to start writing for the new bad wolves album or the next Bad Wolves album that is that is yet to be released and it was a lot of fun a lot of work but also very exciting you know um you know we have max karen back in the band and he's so it's a lot of the process of of writing and kind of working with max because he's a a genius guitar player a genius engineer his tones are insane he works so quickly so we're able to kind of uh try things just with a really quick pace. And some of that is familiar, but I'm, I'm a lot more kind of, uh, involved in terms of (laughs) wanting certain things out of the material. And, and I, and I think it's, you know, definitely create a certain amount of tension, uh, but hopefully the good kind of tension, you know, uh, you know, I, I definitely want my, uh, I guess, uh, taste to be felt a little more on, on, on this record. Um, even if it's you know some of the ideas are, are coming from some of the other guys and we'll see we'll see how that goes but we're doing another one of those in July and I'm, I'm hopefully not hopefully I'm definitely gonna be working on some stuff on my own but we're gonna we're gonna make a, a kick ass record I'm really excited about it and what else is going on yeah I I watched the George Carlin documentary on HBO and uh, Judd Apatow and one of the guy directed it. And it's fantastic. I I highly recommend it. George Carlin is one of my heroes and and really one of the the figures that I would say shaped my uh, identity, you know, when I was coming around, because I saw some of his, I guess some of his most prominent and influential specials when you know I was 12 13 14 years old and it and it had a really big impact on me and i guess one of my takeaways uh, if you if you watch the documentary was all these kind of ups and downs that he really experienced in in his life you know it's it's so fascinating when you are a fan of someone and they become this influential figure in your life but technically you know people my age we discovered George Carlin when he was 50 years old And there's this whole other, not even one lifetime. I mean, he, he had experienced several lifetimes in terms of phases of his career and, uh, ups and downs with, with drugs and dealing with all the, all the stuff he dealt with. And then what was the most fascinating aspect of it was, I guess, kind of the final chapter of his life after his, his, his wife passed away where he kind of became a misanthrope and, it, it was difficult for me to not uh, perhaps make some correlation between the idea of, of someone who was so wrapped up um, and fixated on the idea of, of getting to some def- defined truth, right? And kind of uh, swiping the veneer away from the bullshit of reality that so much of our day-to-day lives, of our institutions, of our culture of our um pastimes is kind of caked in bullshit right like you know if you're a, if you're someone like me who doesn't ascribe to a uh, traditional religion you know that's a big pillar of our society that if you don't believe that kind of you know that th- there's that veneer of 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 mistruth that kind of dominates everything if you look at aspects of our governmental systems and, and, and the corruption there and our economic systems. And I think when you really get to the heart of everything, it's difficult and you're being actually honest with yourself. It's difficult to not walk away from that being, uh, somewhat cynical and have this idea that there's really n- not anything you can do, uh, against the, there's not anything you can do against the flood of, uh, the weight of, of all that, you know? And I, and I, I guess to some degree it's, it's scared me a little bit, um, Because I definitely feel like I've gotten more cynical as I've gotten older and you get to see, uh, cycles, you know, political cycles, economic cycles, and you, and, you know, uh, things we're doing to our environment, things like that. Um, and especially now when you, you kind of pile on the, uh, division and divisiveness that's been brought about by the internet and social media and. Things don't look that optimistic, and I and I guess I'm, I'm fearful that the more you know, and the more uh, you're kind of uh, connected to the idea of not deluding yourself, you know, I uh, I think it's a path to probably be a less happy person, or at least not to have any broader hopes in in the uh, the idea of like humanity as like this broad experiment because it's like too much to think about right like am i going to uh worry myself with (laughs) the big everything right because you know it's it's probably better to 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 think smaller and more personally because you just there's only so much you can do and i guess some of that I've, i've done naturally but there was a real as i said kind of antipathy and and um misanthropy Probably, pronounce why am I pronouncing that word that way? <laughs> I know misanthrope, I'm probably pronouncing it uh, incorrectly, but, you know, where he would kind of profess to take pleasure in, like, natural disasters and, and things like that, and even certain aspects of his um, cynicism in, in kind of telling people not to vote and things like that, things I, I don't agree with. Um, And I think it's, you know, and this kind of relates to the Chappelle things, it was another uh, kind of a philosophical uh, hero of mine. When your heroes are people you you think of as geniuses and these, these like great thinkers, when they have things you don't agree with, that's okay too, right? Like the point isn't to find one hero and just agree with everything or that they have all the answers. You know, no one person has all the answers. We all have blind spots. I think it's great to uh, find a collection of individuals that, uh, bestow a certain kind of wisdom or maybe have areas where they're a genius at right. Certain sectors. And then you put that together and, you know, 20 or 50, hundred, 200, uh, really brilliant people. And then of that, you can kind of cherry pick the stuff that, that makes sense to you. Right. And, and we shouldn't expect perfection of anyone, but, you know, I, I really recommend that the documentary, he's such a, a fascinating figure uh, who really chose his own path, which is often the, the, you know, the, the courage there is, uh is what's really monumental to me. That, that courage to be, to not really give a fuck and, and piss people off. Something I'm ser- still searching for, you know, uh, some, something, something I want to find in myself in, in the future and, and disabuse myself of, of any fear, you know, so it's something I'm I'm working on, and uh, and I just love to to have those works, uh, and that when you learn about people, and you can find something that just inspires you and uh, makes you learn a little bit more about yourself and humanity as a whole, and the human condition, as it were. And anyway, I wanted to talk about. Actually, this isn't a sponsor. I guess maybe, maybe technically they they are a sponsor. And I have the podcast specifically, but I have to give a shout out to a company called Elgato. That's E-L-G-A-T-O. And they hooked me up with some equipment because I want to start doing some streaming and, and filming. And essentially, they make equipment for streamers. You know, and anyone that does online stuff, filming stuff, they have mics, cameras, uh capture cards i guess video cards if you're doing like video video game streaming they have this thing called the stream deck where you can kind of have a little command center when you're when you're going live incredible lighting uh in green screen green screens i got a couple lights the um which ones did i get i got the key light air they're amazing and they're all like it's like smart lighting so it hooks up to your wi-fi so i can like control it from my phone or my computer you control the how bright it is, the color of it. It's amazing. And then I got these things called the Cam Link, which essentially I have two Panasonic Lumix cameras. And I was having some trouble when I got my new computers. It wasn't recognizing my camera. But with these Cam Links, uh, you can go right into the computer with an HDMI. So I got the 4K Cam Links. Those work amazing. And I'm waiting on a stream deck. So go over to their website, elgato.com and uh their stuff is absolutely incredible and you probably already know about it if you're into streaming or anything like that but i had to give them some love because they hooked your boy up so we also have a sponsor this week this is a band from dallas texas they are called belle claire and we're gonna play a new song for them entitled eventually
0: Choking on my words again Tell me what to say to make it better It gets easier, they said Time goes by, but I still remember Everything you said, but now it's all gone
1: Habit. That was Belle Claire with their brand new song "Eventually," which is actually the uh, the title of their EP, which just came out. And uh, just checking them out, they're a, they're a brand new band. It's the only thing they have released right now. And I have to say, I was very pleasantly surprised with that song. It was just it was just a lot of fun. It sounded great. Uh, it's, you know, could be a hit. You know, I don't know. I'm I'm not saying I'm 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 the hit master, but you know, it, it, it brought the hooks and I I liked the way it was produced and, uh, singer sounded good too. And I like, you know, they had that little breakdown, you know, the pop pump, pop punk with breakdowns, uh, thing, which is, that's the thing, you know, if you're not, if you're not keeping up and, uh, no, (laughs) that was a lot of fun. I actually like that, that lead at the end there, but yeah, if you want to check them out, I would go over to their Facebook page and, uh, just, you know, the the way the band name is spelled it's B E L c-l-a-i-r-e and so go over to facebook.com backslash bell music and they have some shows coming up around uh around dallas this weekend so if you if you catch this and you want to go see them go to their facebook check out the shows go to their page you know you know listen to their record uh, stream it uh check out their youtube page and uh tell them Dot coil sent you huge thanks to them for sponsoring the show if you'd like to sponsor the show uh shoot me an email at the x at gmail.com remember that is ex or just hop up in the dms now with all that out of the way just have to give a quick intro to our guest a true legend of the underground if you if you know what's what or perhaps you're from the tri-state area or you just uh you just love metal You you probably know this guest. Uh, He's the drummer for Municipal Waste. Uh, His name's Dave Whitty. I've known him since I was in high school. I must I'm sure I was around 16 or 17 years old when I met him. And he's just he's one of the good guys uh, in this scene. And he's played you know from going back with bands like Human Remains and uh, Discordance Axis and Melt Banana. And Burnt by the Sun, I mean, he, he's he's done so many records and he's played with so many bands and he's a real gr- uh, groundbreaking musician in in his field, whether it's grind or punk or death metal or hardcore. And, you know, now with uh, Municipal Waste doing more of kind of a crossover thrash thing, uh, I just love the dude. And I had the opportunity to have Tony, the vocalist from Municipal Waste on the show, and we were supposed to do it and got ended up... Uh, getting canceled because of a a screw up with time. And then when I was going to reschedule, I was like, you know what? Let me just talk to Dave because I've just known him for, for so long. And I wanted to tell his story uh, as much as I could. And I love Tony. Shout out to Tony. He's the best. But I was like, you know, let's, let's, let's get Dave over here. You know, the, the lead singers get enough shine as is let's get the great blast beating drummers over here who, who deserve it, who are doing all the hard work, (laughs) but uh, you know, I love Dave, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy this show. So please check out my conversation with the incredible Mr. Dave Witty. Anyway, man, I just want to thank you for, for doing this. I was I was supposed to talk to Tony, but then I thought about it. I was like, man, I should really talk to you because we go so far back. I mean, I... I I would suppose you're probably one of, um, I guess my oldest, you know, friends within this kind of scene and, and community and like that kind of history, you can't really, uh, manufacture.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I I got excited when it came in.
1: Yeah. Well, no, you've, you've been on, you know, when I started the show, I kind of had this, you know, uh, an official master list and kind of an unofficial thing in my, my mind. I have to actually check my notes. If you were actually, if I actually physically wrote your, your name down, because, given all the things you've done you're about as perfect uh the type of figure that sh- that should be on this show because i mean your resume for this scene is is like and it's not even one scene you're kind of someone who seems to has, has uh kind of traveled through all these different realms within uh the heavy music world but it's it's completely um appropriate for for this so i'm just really glad i could i could get you on here I
2: have a- I have a hard time sitting still. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk to you and be on the show. That's awesome. Well,
1: well, yeah, I mean, so I'm I'm sure most people listening to this probably are familiar with uh, Municipal Waste, who is a successful metal band, you know, a a band that has really gotten out there in terms of, I don't know if, if mainstream is the right term, but definitely like made a name for itself. In kind mm-hmm. of the proper channels, um, in terms of like having a good record label and uh, the the band has performed well, in terms of you know sales and you know you guys headline and and you have diehard fans and that's an amazing accomplishment. Um, and but I go back with you so far back in the day, and I want to say, uh, and, and it should be you know noted we we both kind of came up in the New Brunswick, New Jersey hardcore I don't even know what scene <laughs> you kind of yeah. de- describe it as but we god forbid was rehearsed at this place called big noise uh and essentially you were your name was like uh you were you were a legend amongst the underground and it was like and, and and you know and bands would come through big noise and you know and we would like hang out in the lounge we we're like yo yo such and such is in there and, and they were like yo this guy dave witty and I think you were playing with discordance axis I think that's yeah,
2: who was re- who we there rehearsing.
1: Yeah. And I think that's who was rehearsing. And like I said, this weird thing, I don't know if bands do this now, but for some reason we thought it was okay to just walk up in bands re- <laughs> rehearsals <laughs> and just watch them rehearse. Um, and for some oh, reason, yeah,
2: that's the way it was back then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. It was, it was very like, um, and just communal, you know? Um, and I remember just going there and seeing, seeing you play, because like I said, it was like, yo, this guy, You know, like I said, it was because everything back then was a little more mysterious, you know, in terms of uh, who was in the bands and and just you, especially, you know, with the, you know, you were kind of known as like the blast beat king of New Jersey (laughs) at that, at that time. So seeing that in, in, in person. So, but at this point, I mean, I'm talking late nineties, you know, maybe 98, 99, you'd been in the scene for forever, right?
2: Yeah, I've, I've always been doing something. I've, I've, I'm always—I've been guilty of doing multiple things at once, constantly. Yeah, uh, I have a problem with music, but <laughs> I just—yeah, I do. I, I have too much I want to do, and if there's one place I can't get something out, I got to find it somewhere else. And, and what's cool about doing all this stuff is not only do I get to cross pollinate eventually from what I learned from each, you know, project I'm involved with. But I also get to play with some really amazing people that make me grow as a player. Sure. That's the way I've always played with people that are much more talented than me, and I grew really fast because of that. Yeah, always, it, was, it was a great experience. The challenge was always something really great.
1: Yeah, I always say it's it's kind of like sports where if you're the best person there, it's probably not the environment for you in terms of like growth. Like you really want to be around people that are gonna challenge you and yeah you're gonna be pushed yeah no sure. it's, it's, but, it's
2: amazing and, and leads me leads me back to know red bank rehearsal studio and i never uh, i never went there well when you're we talking about big noise and walking up into rehearsals this reminded me of uh bobby Barterfield, like super great jazz drummer from red bank he actually taught brandon thomas for Ripping Ir- corpse mm-hmm. and then uh human remains would practice there and like the door opened and, and he he came in with two other guys and they're like hey you know uh do you guys mind if we sit in and watch you guys rehearse <laughs> it was so it was so weird and foreign to us at the time we're like yeah sure hang out you know they didn't they've never seen anything like that before cuz they come from a jazz world and that was a pretty eye-opening experience and we'd go watch them and learn a bunch of stuff from them
1: well it's interesting you bring up human remains because um that Human Remains EP or no, was it was, it, it was an album? It was an album, right? It was a, EP, yeah, a mini album have you. That you did with uh Steve Evans, right? Yeah. And uh this 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 came out, I don't even know when it came out, but when I discovered it, and I can't remember, maybe I heard something on SOU or or whatever. Th- I feel like that record is almost like this lost piece of brilliance and um really ahead of its time you know um i'm not even sure if i've heard anything like it since and uh it was actually really influential on god forbid like if you listen to the first god forbid record reject the sickness like we do all this like whammy bar stuff that we pretty much like ripped off (laughs) from human remains and just like
2: yeah i mean well it
1: it was weird because you know in, in 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 some sense when we arrived on the scene there were all these bands that essentially had already broken up you know but we would get the records you know whether it's dead guy or you know carcass you know or even you know bands like that that had literally just recently broken up and so yeah. all you had was the record and you'd absorb it and it would somehow find a way into your uh you know kind of identity and that record what i loved about it was i mean First off, it's, it's the musicianship is really high level in my in, in my opinion in terms of all this the very interesting things that were that were going musically, which to me was so um, you know emblematic of what was going on in, in New Jersey at the time, which is like there were all these bands that were kind of breaking the rules, right? And like with yeah. H- Human Remains, like, you saw all these kind of um, certain traditional elements of grindcore, death metal, but then all this other stuff that was like. Yeah. Completely left, 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 left field. So, what was uh, going on with you guys that you found something that, in my opinion, just seemed extremely unique?
2: Well, I like—I'll give you the full rundown. But what I like to say is, we had no idea what we were doing before anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> funny, funny enough. But uh, it, it all comes from ripping corpse. That's like the main influence for all of us. Like the metal ripping corpse, and then the punk Rorschach. Those are the two bands, in in my opinion, that kind of pushed everything forward in in both sides of the scene uh, so much to the point we, we were so enamored with ripping corpse and everyone else in our area too everyone wanted to be and sound exactly like ripping corpse and we were guilty of that right in the beginning you know we had a riff that was almost the same exact thing and then we became friends with those guys and they're like you know that, that's kind of weird and you know and so you know, we were like, "Where are they? Oh yeah, what are we doing here? We can do whatever we want. What? Why do we want to sound exactly like this band? When we could do anything." So that's when we started, like, listening to a lot of outside influence and just trying to push it, as as make it weird as as fast as possible. A lot, a lot of a lot of Rush, a lot of Skinny Puppy. Uh, we listened to those bands a lot, and Steve loves Steve Vai. That's where all the the volume stuff came from. Alex Lyson and Steve Vai.
1: And you guys were volume. doing uh 7 they were using 7 string guitars too which yeah, I I've
2: been as universe and I think it was like 91 or 92 something like that.
1: Yeah, it was uh and that's what I'm saying there's all these elements and that's I I implore ever, everyone to listen to the record um what's it called Sickness uh using
2: Sickness. Of yeah, using Sickness as a hero.
1: Yes, using Sickness as a hero. Classic just you're going to be like so ahead of its time, and luckily because you had you know, Steve do it, tracks East, it sa- it still sounds great. Um, yeah,
2: Evan, man, he just moved back to Jersey.
1: I know, I know. We me and, me and uh, Steve talk regularly. Is Ripping Corpse kind of like the unheralded band of that era? Because I feel like if you were local or in like the Tri right area, but it doesn't seem like their influence really got out of that specific um, area. You know, mainly people reference it are from there.
2: Yeah, it's hard to say. You know, I think a big part of that is the album, like the the, the record label that they're on, Craze, it was such a, a bad situation for them that the, the album was cut short. And uh, I don't think it really, you know, made it to where it needed to be. I mean, they have a die-hold following, but it's not very big. Uh, but, man, if I can go back in time and see any band, it would be them. Yeah, we Like, watching them just... Blew my mind. There was this band, you know, because they'd open for all the national acts when they came through and they'd smoke them, whoever it was, they would just blow them away.
1: Eric Rutan played with ripping Corpse, right?
2: Yeah, I saw Rutan last night actually. Cannibal Corpse played in, in Richmond.
1: No shit. No shit.
2: Yes, well, I, it was good to catch up with him. He's the
1: best. He's like, the, he's too nice. He's so nice. like, he must be a serial killer because he's too nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Eric. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> but, um, God forbid, got to play shows with Dim Mock, which was the band they put together after Ripping Corp. I don't know how many members it, it shared, uh, but uh,
2: everybody but Rutan. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. And then well, then Junior was in Dim Mach and he left, and then Dennis replaced him, the bass player. But it was always Sean Brandon, and, and he initially Sean Brandon and, and Scott.
1: Yeah, I I just remember at least with the, the Dim Mock stuff and, and some of the Ripping Corps, I felt like the the album production wasn't quite. It probably didn't represent what how great the band was live, you know? Yeah,
2: yeah They were figuring it out, you know. It's like back to human remains real fast. Like we were in early twenties. We kind of had no clue what we were doing. And then we just burned out before we realized what we were doing.
1: How did you get a deal with uh relapse?
2: Uh I don't you know what I don't remember, but I've been friends with Matt and Bill for the longest time. I think Bill actually offered us the deal. And then I think I went to Nuclear Fest down in uh, Delaware to see Macabre with Scott from Ripping Corpse and a couple other people. And uh, I think I met those guys down there and we started talking. I gave them a demo or something like that. And they wound up liking Human Remains. They they gave us a shot.
1: And what was the, and like I said, when you listen to the record, it, it does feel like it's between worlds um was the band or you kind of culturally did you feel of the death metal world or did you feel like no we're kind of more this grindcore band which kind of subsists within the hardcore scene and the punk world like was it that kind of classic situation of a band that kind of didn't fit perfectly fit anywhere
2: yeah i got a few stories to, to tell about that too you know the board in town uh, the FW hall there, we playing with. I,
1: I'm sure I was. I, it sound. I'm sure I was there.
2: Yeah, it was actually, 17. I know I was there.
1: Actually, I know I was there because I saw the only time one of the first times I saw Fury of Five was at the Bordentown spot.
2: Yeah, that was 7A off the turnpike, I believe. Yeah, uh, every time we would play there, we'd play with hardcore bands, and then like, uh, and then when we played with metal bands, you know, everybody had leather jackets and long hair and all that stuff, and you know, looking evil, <laughs> and that's cool. But we would show up with like striped shirts and jams and they would like they'd be like, Oh, who are these clowns? And then we'd get on stage and they wouldn't be able to say much after that because it was so alien. It was so weird. And uh, but one of my favorite things ever is we uh, opened for somehow we got on a one king down record release show mm-hmm. in Albany. And it it was a lot it was packed. There was a lot of people there. So much to the point where you had to push your way through the crowd to get to the bathroom. It was uncomfortably packed. We played and then there was, nobody said anything in between the songs. It was dead silent. It was like the most <laughs> uncomfortable thing ever. <laughs> and then I'm in the bathroom afterwards, and I hear these guys next to me, these two guys say, hey, man, what'd you think of that band that just played? And the other guy goes, I don't know, man. I think they were good, but I'm not sure.
1: That's always <laughs> a good sign, though. I feel like a lot of times those those bands that people don't quite get on day one, that, you know, it... You know, takes the world a little bit to, to to catch up, and then the the genius is only realized after the fact.
2: That one always made me laugh because I was right there to actually hear it. You know, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, but we always we always dealt with that. Yeah, uh, we we're always in the weird thing. Uh, but one of my other favorite shows we played John Hilt's house with and en- uh, Engine Kid and Dahlia Seed and us. That was such a crazy mixed bill. It was amazing.
1: Yeah, well, I I mean, and that's very much. Um, so much part of the scene back then was playing houses and weird, you know, just garages and basements and you know, it it's funny with, with God forbid, we were we were never really the basement band. For some reason it was it was never like our place to shine. But you know, it, it was it was good to I have seen some amazing shows though, some some bands in, in basements. That's that's a sign of, yeah. of, of something special when you can yeah. when you could rock. You guys, the were a,
2: you guys were a melody bar band right off the bat, right?
1: Um, I would say off the bat, like, I mean, cause we had like all these different versions where before we were actually God forbid. Um, and then once we became God forbid, we kind of, you know, like we, we had like a nice little buzz, you know, and with our, with our demo, and then we still had to like, kind of like fight for shows. Like it, it was so much. You guys were definitely
2: more metal than everyone in that, in that little part of town, I thought. Oh,
1: I, I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was even close. We were, we were like, be, beyond on, metal. I yeah, I mean, yeah. our so, like, when we first came out, our first two big shows, within one weekend, I think we did, we opened for uh, Morbid Angel on one day, and then the next day we opened for E-Town Concrete. Just to give you an, an idea of, like, the two worlds we kind of sat <laughs> yeah, you in. Too. Yeah, you can go between both. Yeah, and it was—I mean—and it—and it—it kind of—and both worked actually, you know. Um yeah. And 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 I don't know so, something about that area where we weren't the only one. Like even you look at a band like E Town, right—a band that blended genres. Like I felt like, or you see a band like Candiria, a band that blended genres. I feel like that whole environment was all about taking everything that was going on and seeing how you could kind of ratchet it up. And to find something new, you know, because I was the only way to find something interesting was to kind of just to go for it and go, Oh, I like Wu-Tang and, <laughs> and I like, yeah. you know, uh, obituary, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah.
2: Well, look at Candiria, that's a perfect example. I still have their demo cassette where it's like satanic death metal.
1: Dude, is it on, you have it on tape?
2: Yeah, I have the cassette still.
1: Dude, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, but. But that's what I'm saying, like things like that, things like Dillinger, um, I, I just can't imagine, you know, uh, any other environment where that could have come out of, you know what I'm saying, that 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 willingness to yeah. experiment, you know?
2: Yeah, there's was definitely, as they say, there's definitely uh, something in the water, you know, as they always say in New, in New Jersey, because everybody was like going for the moon.
1: So I, I want to talk to you just a bit about your your drumming and, and, and your drumming style, because I I was thinking about it. I was li- I was listening to all your you know, all your bands. So I was kind of getting ready for this. And I'm like, like, you know what Dave Woody is? He's he's the you're the Dave Lombardo of Grindcore in terms of like
2: uh great compliment, thanks.
1: In terms of just having like a feel that I think that is unique to your own uh, uh, you know, a feel and a, a skill set and a and a power and speed and all that stuff, but also this uh want and uh, to kind of just do a lot of things in a lot of different styles. And that's the thing is like, you know, going through all your stuff, you know, I was, I went back and listened to like Black Army Jacket, which is more in the kind of the punk side of side of things. And then Human Remains is, I guess, grind, groove. I don't even I don't even know that's what weirdo. to call it. You know, and then Discord's Axis is like, you know, kind of the purest version of, of grind core. What what we when we think about what that genre kind of kinda means. Um and what were you kind of looking for in terms of projects? Were you looking for one band that would, that would be like your job or you were just kind of going with the flow wherever it kind of made sense?
2: Well, I guess, you know, I always wanted to have something that, you know, uh, could turn into a job. Yeah. And then, you know, things always happened. So, uh, you know, sometimes people couldn't go on tour and, Things would just fizzle out. Like human remains, I remember. Yeah, human remains. We got offered. I think Jacobson said we were direct. For, we would have been direct support for uh, for Napalm Death and a Harmony Corruption had just come out. He was like, "Yeah, I can get you guys done." And we had just split up right before that, and the offer came in, and we we're like, "Nope, we're not doing it," because we were so young, we had no idea what we were doing. You know, in hindsight, we should have just been like, "Hey guys, you know, let's work this out and go do this tour. It'd be awesome." So we were just too young to know what we were doing.
1: And were you in a situation where, cause I can't imagine you know, a band like Discordance Axis, for example. I mean, that's such extreme music. Yeah. Is, is there probably even a thought in your head about making money on something like that? Is there purely like an artistic endeavor?
2: What, uh, today or back then? Back then. Back then it was just a personal challenge. You know, <laughs> I just wanted to play play to play it like pushed myself like that band just wanted to push itself and the, the, the money and the records and all that stuff was an afterthought yeah you know we just wanted to write tunes and record them we did everything with well mostly everything with steve as well in the beginning we did one record with bill t miller but I did, yeah there was like nobody there when we started it was like six people at shows people yelling shit at us <laughs> it was fun it was a great time you know it was always fun i always loved the banter and the, the exchange between the audience and the band that grindcore shows there's a bunch of shit talking it was always really funny
1: were were you that style of of playing i mean um were you are you completely self-taught or did you get any training to kind of develop uh, mostly
2: that? self-taught and i took like a i took a month of like i guess swing or or jazz uh at jersey drum with this guy named gene
0: mm-hmm.
2: oh in, gene in that's you. Ex-
1: just- yeah, so Scott Winchell trained with Gene.
2: God, he's so he's so great, man! What a killer drummer. Took a month with him because I felt like I I was like, all right, I know how to do all this stuff. I just don't. I need to learn something else. Yeah, and that's when things started changing for me. I was seeking out other people to play with other styles of music and and all that because I just love music so much that I I just want to do as much stuff as I can.
1: And then you um you did some stuff with Melt Banana too, right?
2: Yeah, that's one of the greatest things I ever did in my life. They they showed me the world for the first time, uh, pre-EU. Uh, man, I learned all their, their songs. It, like That was such an amazing experience, because that music's pretty way out there.
1: Yeah, I was listening and, uh, to it. I'm like, holy shit. This is yeah. like, because they're combining all kinds of stuff. It's like indie rock and electronic yeah. stuff, and just very that
2: avant-garde. A, that was a super, because... A lot of the stuff I find myself in when I'm stepping in to play someone else's stuff, I have to learn how to readjust the way I play it to try and match that as much as I can. But sometimes I just, I can't do it exactly the way that person does it. So I just have to do it my, maybe sure. a little bit for myself. You know, I guess I'm kind of stuck in my own ways sometimes. No, but I think that, that's fine. Yeah. That band was amazing. I saw it. So many great experiences. We did a, a Peel session with them. I met John Peel and had a great conversation with him. And that's like one of the highlights of, of playing with those guys. I did seven full uh, tours with them: two European and five US. And I, I think that put the brakes on "Burnt by the Sun" a little bit too, because we were yeah. doing that at the same time.
1: Yeah, I mean, and for people don't don't know, uh, Mel Banana is this really like i said avant-garde japanese i mean grindcore but mixed with all this other kind there's of like cool.
2: pop there's everything's yeah. in there electronic pop grind punk who knows yeah it's very he's, he's, Go ahead. he's such a great guitar player his he uses like 30 different pedals
1: oh i was <laughs> hearing i was stuff and i was like i was literally listening to it i'm going how is that happening <laughs> like there was th- th- things that i
2: didn't if uh, if you haven't seen him, you should go see him just to watch him play because he's so unique. Like he's easily one of the most unique guitar players I've ever seen in my life.
1: And were they uh, were they playing performing as a three piece or?
2: Right now it's just uh, Yakko and Agata, and everything is is programmed to control. Yeah, gotcha. Except guitar and vocals, and she runs a program Ableton Live. Are you familiar with that?
1: Yeah, we uh, Bad Wolves uses that.
2: Yeah, well, it's like it looks like she has this like I don't know, like video game controller. It looks like in her hand, and it's got all these buttons on it. And she triggers bass drums and samples all that stuff while she's singing, and the guy is playing a guitar. It's it's wild,
1: <laughs> man. It's uh, you you've had you've had some experiences, my friend. And they they speak uh English, all right. I you know in terms of the communication with being in the band.
2: Yeah, it's okay and then they taught me how to speak Japanese I got pretty good at it at one point really because I got uh I was torn with them so much but i I really don't use it and I don't remember it like it's not embedded into my brain I wish it was yeah I
1: mean it's well I feel like all that sucks i I took Japanese actually when I was like really young for a couple of years but then like when I was doing Spanish in high school I felt like I was getting pretty good but then when you don't use it it kind of kind of goes away you gotta be able to use yeah
2: it I way. feel like after a couple drinks, like it'll it'll come like it'll come out. I'll start talking <laughs> Japanese. It's it's kind of funny. Sometimes it'll just click.
1: Did um did that experience of you know going out with you know I guess a professional band quote unquote and I, I imagine you're being paid and and, and things like that kind it, of and you know,
2: all that. That was my first experience with that. Yeah. like, did, like did I that... was pretty green. Like, sorry, everything I've done before that had I've never done anything extensive like that yeah and uh while we did that i also saw the the rest of the world and like it kind of checked me because i haven't really been far from new jersey up to that point i've been to california and new york and you know you know pennsylvania stuff like that but you know after that full trip to europe i I realized that the world is way bigger than new jersey and there's so many so complex there's so many other things going on It was a really great learning experience for me in every way possible.
1: How did that change, you know, not only kind of uh, becoming more worldly, but also just kind of being part of a a professional environment? I mean, how did that change kind of your mentality as far as approaching your own bands?
2: Oh, yeah, I definitely learned a lot. I've learned what to apply and and what wasn't needed and how to be punctual (laughs) and uh, take things more seriously. Sure. Yeah, like I didn't, you know, I didn't sound checks and all that. You know, I learned everything on that tour. And, and like the European way, the arts are so embraced and encouraged much more over there than they are in here. So the professionalism is, you know, even higher. But back then, it was. Some places might be the same here. I'm not trying to talk bad, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But uh, but yeah, I I never I didn't know the level of professionalism involved. And it was that was a really eye opening experience.
1: What um what ended that that situation? Did they just kind of move? Decide to go electronic yeah. style? Or
2: yeah, I think uh, I think they just decided to move on, get someone else. I think my time burned out. Yeah, I did uh, five years with them. That was pretty good. And then yeah. I moved to Virginia, and I and then I joined Waste.
1: Yeah. Well, let's. Well, before we get to that, we got to talk about Burned by the Sun, bro. This is uh. You know, it's lot- funny.
2: I got a funny story about that too. All
1: right, bring it on.
2: <laughs> uh, Burnt by the Sun, the melody, like, uh, wasted six shows, four shows with Pig Destroyer, uh, a few weeks ago. And Scott and I were catching up, you know, I've, I've known Scott forever too. And he reminded me that he came with me and John to the melody bar to poach Mike <laughs> for Burnt by the Sun. He was like, I was there when you guys went to go talk to Hollander. And I was like, Oh, yeah, that's right we went to see Endeavor and John was like yeah I want that guy to sing Dude. and I was like okay cool let's go ask him and we asked him and he was into it
1: Mike is a beast man that voice
2: yeah it's amazing
1: yeah well I mean that was the thing about Burnt by the Sun was it was you know such a a jersey band you know in terms of the uh the personnel it was like one of those bands when it when it finally came together because I think you guys did that split with Kiss the Cynic right through but
2: yeah, well, it turned,
1: they turned into the Luddite Clone. L- Luddite Clone, I'm sorry, yeah, or was it Luddite Clone that became? Because I can't remember the damn. It might so, have
2: so, wanted it one or the other. Yeah.
1: Some of so these bands are always uh, <laughs> changing their names and, and yeah. stuff, but uh, but no, I, I remember when that that came out. It was like you know, it kind of had for for our scene a little like super group status, kind of kind of hi- hype on it, and it totally lived up to it. I, and it, it felt like. Um, you as someone who had had been in all these bands that were, you know, very much of the underground, you know, and, and very, very, very much kind of like having this, this kind of extreme aesthetic. This was something that I think really fit in with what was going on musically at, at the time that had an ability to kind of get to a bigger audience. Yeah. In my opinion.
2: I, I agree.
0: to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts, head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show.
2: Yeah, uh, I was going to say something about that, but it just slipped my mind. Let me, give me a, give me a second.
1: Well,
2: it's yeah. right. taking time. I just had something to
1: say, but I forgot. now you just got to go. Listen, Doc, <laughs> we were the best. The best.
2: <laughs> yeah. ted was in human remains so i, I you know i've you know i played with ted for years and when we did that i was like hey ted you know you should come do this because he had he had stopped playing so i, I kind of pulled him out because i know how great of a bass player is and, and it, we were all really good friends so it just worked you know john and i did a project called mental picture years ago more hardcore bass kind of like pro magsy but that was just like a fun project. And then, you know, we just decided to do "Brought by the Sun. We wrote the first three tunes in my basement. Ted came, learned them, and then Mike, we got Mike to sing.
1: Yeah, it was, Uh, it, it just seemed to have an impact right away. And it was great because it was the kind of band that, you know, meshed really well with a band like God Forbid. We would play together all the time. I remember yeah. God, God Forbid's first, like, real kind of headline show that was successful. Had this incredible lineup. It was Burnt by the Sun, uh, Kill Switch Engage. It was supposed to be Blood Blood Has Been Shed, but they didn't play. Uh they canceled Nora and and U.S. And I remember just being like, every, every band on here is an absolute beast. You know, it was, it was, it was yeah. in some ways in, intimidating to play after all those really, 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 great bands. And then we did a tour together. It I think it was just like a maybe five shows it was shadows fall us I remember and, that. Yeah. and you guys i don't know if, if, if anyone else was on there but i remember that was that was a lot of fun um and so we you know we played festivals all the time and i was just a fan of the records and i remember i can't remember which record it was but <laughs> me, me and my bro- we we had come off god forbid to come off tour and me and my brother did acid <laughs> at home <laughs> oh, wow. right and uh and it's there's it's it's a snowstorm, right? And we and we realized like, yo, the new Dave Chappelle uh stand-up just came out. And I was like, I was like, I'm gonna go to Walmart and get it. Now keep in mind, I had already done acid, right? And yeah. it's snowing, so it's snowing, but so I have to, I got nothing had happened yet. I, I wasn't really feeling anything yet, but I put on the Burnt by the Sun record in the snow. And then the acid started to kind of work. And I was like, yo, and I was while I was driving, I was like, I was like, this is the scariest music I have ever experienced in my life. That just started making me, you know, I uh, it it was it was very overwhelming. This the sense of dread this 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 music cr- created for me. So I, I had this very distinct memory of uh absorbing burnt by the sun with the snow, you know, that that just because it's dark and you have that snow in front of you, you're not trying to drive too fast. So I was deep right. deep deep in my soul that that, that experience of 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 by the sun it's like sunlight. going in,
2: like going into hyperspace with the millennium falcon <laughs> a little bit
1: but slow but slow like whatever <laughs> the opposite of hyperspace is because because i was yeah. trying to i was driving safe i was driving slow trying not to you know get 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 worn out in in, in the snow but uh but yeah, you know, I, I
2: wish i knew which record that was
1: i'm sure it was either the first either first or second record i mean but they're both great you know, I was I was just always a, a big fan of, of of what what you guys did. Um, and remember, said, you guys were with it was with Ferret or did you ended up signing up with Relapse too, right?
2: Yeah, we did Relapse. But Carl Carl did the first EP that you talked about the split. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, how I was, is, was there like a an intention with that band to try and make it, you know, like a full time thing or really try and go for it? Was it always kind of more of like, do it when we can?
2: Yeah. You know, that was the intention. And then time got away from us. So I I stood, you know, I started doing other stuff too. And I think that took away from it. Yeah. So part of the problem, like I'll be upfront about it. You know, I was just like, I wasn't content. I wanted to do more. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's just the way, uh, you know, the cards fell. So you were playing uh, with
1: melt banana and then you started municipal waste while the band was still active.
2: Yeah, and then I was still doing Burn by the Sun. I, I, and when I joined Waste, yeah, we did the, that last tour in the states. It's weird. See, I always had too much stuff going on. probably
1: <laughs> much, much to the chagrin of your bandmates.
2: Yeah, you know what? Uh, I think Burn by the Sun. Uh, we did a full U.S. tour. It was between the Married Me, Us, Premonitions of War, uh, and the other one we did. We went out with Candiria at the time and then also ben from dillinger he was like hey why don't you come do a tour with us and uh we took the Candyria tour instead of that and i think that's where we blew it yeah i well, think the dillinger crowd would have been more uh tuned into what we were all about
1: sure sure i can see that
2: yeah that's the one thing i'm like oh yeah we should we should have did that one did yeah. you guys
1: have a manager or you're self-managed?
2: No, no. We, we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> this seems like a theme. <laughs> yeah, totally. I don't know. So, it was always music first and all the... All, whatever. Everything else was an afterthought.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's really one of the things about your career. And I guess uh, myself, also someone who's been doing this for a long time. And I get a lot of individuals like yourself who have all these different chapters, you know, to their, to their story. And you start to see all these, these parallels, which is essentially if you're talented and you're hardworking and you keep at it, uh, things will eventually seem to kind of line up, you know? And, and that was the thing that, that really dawned on me when I saw, uh, municipal waste seem to almost, at least from my perspective, and maybe you can give me some, uh, insight on this kind of like shot out of a rocket. In terms of a new band that people were really excited about almost overnight that was that was that was my perspective when you joined the band was it already a band and you joined it or did you help start it
2: no i I joined uh they started in 2000 and they had did like a couple eps and and a a, and an album and and did one tour i think they did a, a european tour as well and then i joined in 2004 and and phil I joined not long after me, and that's when the deal with, was made with earache. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was just coming out of all these situations where I was frustrated because uh, I just wanted to be on tour all year long. Yeah, that's what was in my head. I, I just wanted to go for it. And like a lot of people couldn't do that or didn't want to do that. Yeah, so when I joined that band, I was like, Hey guys, this, this is what I want to do. Do you guys want to do this? And they're all of them were like, Yeah, I'm like, Great. But then let's do it. And we played our asses off as much as we could. And it was the best. It was so much fun. Well that that's it was what a d- a totally different things too.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like like it in a weird way you had this kind of amalgamation of uh trends, right? And I guess, you know, in in Munich was was at the forefront of this, but it was whether it's bands like uh, Havoc, or you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting a bunch, but bunch of bands around that era, but it, you know, would be later be, become called the rethrash or whatever it was that. Really, there was this this phase you where you know thrash metal was the biggest style of metal in the world, and then the '90s were a rough time, and then there seemed to be this like, you know, this this new interest and not just in the music, but in the culture, right? Like in terms of this, you, you'd have young, you know, 15 year old kids who dressed like it was 1984. And you know, it was, it wasn't just like the sound. It was a, it was a fashion. It was a lifestyle. It was something you guys seemed to kind of usher that in and it brought back fun in metal in a way that really wasn't yeah. present.
2: Yeah. And then- Two things about that is like all my life growing up in the church that I listened to a lot like, lots of thrash crossover that's what I got into first and I never could, I could never find the people to play that style of music. Yeah. And then as my musical tastes became more brutal and more extreme I gravitated towards more of that and like kind of you know kept the, the thrash thing, you know, like at bay so, somewhat. So when I first saw them and, and when I moved down here I was like, "Oh my god, that band's amazing." I'd love to be in that band, and I wound up joining it, like a year later. And I, like I've always wanted to do that style of music, and it was perfect. And what you're talking about, fun, you know, with Burnt by the Sun, we we played a lot of shows where there was a lot of fights, all the time. And then I I know you know about that too. Oh yeah, especially in Jersey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like it was such a breath of fresh air when we started doing Waste because there was none of that at all. People just wanted to hang out and like, you know. Mosh around, stage dive, drink beer, and have a good time. There was no, no weird, you know, violence. I guess. And that oh, was I, really nice.
1: Who is a the, like whose idea was to have the uh, the boogie boards <laughs> out in the audience?
2: You know, a lot of that stuff just happened organically. I think we might have brought some. I don't remember. It was so long ago. But there's a we played some festival in Chicago. I think it was like 2005 or something like that. Gymnasium. I think Greg Daly was there too. I don't, but they had all these like floats and stuff, and like springboards and uh, trampolines and stuff. So Tony just started grabbing stuff and putting it out on stage, and people, you know, were like, "Oh, wow, I'm going to jump off this." And then it kind of happened from there. People started showing up with inflatable rafts and boogie boards, and like some people, some, some guy would have a trampoline put it on stage. People jump off into the crowd. It was the best. Watching people jump off the stage every night, I totally have the best seat in the house. There's so much going on. I wish I had a. I always think I'm gonna get a Go GoPro, uh, GoPro, but I always I, I just don't for some reason.
1: I should. It's not too late, okay?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> do that. Do that. I think everyone they you guys should probably do a music video where everyone kind of wears GoPros on their on their <laughs> their stuff, and then do do cut that up, and you'll get the. You, know, you get the, the the bird's eye view of the whole of the whole situation. No, it was it was. I remember just feeling really happy for you when when that band started to to take off because a probably get a little bit of a rest in terms of all the the speed. You get to like you know you don't have to like kill yourself quite as much <laughs> yeah. on the on the playing side. You know which is always you know uh, you know the. The, the muscles and the bones, you know, they can only like, they can only take take so much through through the years. So, but no, but just yeah, you get depressed. yeah, but just uh someone like you who's always been one of the one of the good guys, always been humble, always uh seemed to really be invested in in the community, uh you know, to to have some success and have something that people are really into because I think you like me, of course we wanted to tour all the time, but you, you know, you don't want to be homeless, <laughs> you know, you die, you know, you would like to, to make a living. And, uh, and because, you know, if you make a living, then you can focus more on the art, you can focus more on writing. You can, you can become a better band, you know, by, you know, by, being able to invest all of your your time into that in a level that a band that's part time you probably can't do quite as much. So I was just I was I just remember being very very happy for you that you had something hit and go over like that. It was very exciting. Well,
2: thank you, and I can say the same thing about you. I, I can't. I'm so happy for you as well. Appreciate it's it. It's amazing. We're the same.
1: Hey man, we're just we're just in the fight, baby.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's, you know, touching on, you know, having a job and all that stuff. I had an office job for years, being proofreader uh, for uh, this facsimile company called Expedite, where we would just proofread everything before it hit the news waves. Uh, it was a fun job. It was cool. It could have been a great reality television show. There's so many crazy people. I worked there. It was, it was a lot of fun. But uh, they gave me the leave of absence first time to do the Mel Banana tour. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when that came up to do it again, they're like, nah, we can't let you go. And I was like, all right, you know, you know what, this is what I really want to do. So I'm just going to quit. So, and then I just threw everything to the wind, just worked jobs, like in between. Cause that's all I wanted to do. And I just, I just made it work over time. I got lucky too. Yeah.
1: Why what, lucky in which way?
2: lucky that it turned into what i really wanted to do i mean i worked worked my butt off but you know what i mean you can't take anything for granted
1: well i think you know because i was with one band basically half my life right so that was like my focus and luckily that band did have a fair amount of success and i was able to kind of focus that but once i moved on from that um And I was like, all right, I'm just going to look for different things and try and find different opportunities. Then your luck also becomes about the ability to pick projects that, uh, you know, that you think will work and you're kind of betting, right? Like, okay. If you're going, Hey, I want to expand municipal waste, but I think they have, they have something special and then you get to be a part of it. And then it turns into that. That's a reflection of your taste and ability to kind of pick uh, pick a winner, so to, so so to, so to speak. And, you know, and, and that's kind of similar to me with bad wolves where I was doing a bunch of different things, but I, I heard some of the music and I knew who was involved and I go, okay, this thing has a shot, you know? Yeah. Um, and you kind of, so that's, I think the luck, but also going, you know, picking the right thing, you know, cause there are certain people that I know are talented, uh, You know, especially out in LA, where I'm like, why are they playing with that band? You know, they're like kind of, they're putting their chips on maybe a a losing bet, you know, to some degree or something that doesn't really have the potential. So, so, so you really do have to uh, cultivate and kind of curate yourself in the right in the right place so that you have a chance. You know?
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense to me. I guess you can't become too comfortable either. You always got to works for something
1: oh no that's i say don't don't ever don't ever get too comfortable because is and that's the kind of i think the thing for me is the um i don't know if it's anxiety but it's this thing of like if you're not constantly grinding it's it's almost like you you know how like a a certain band or certain endeavor it kind of has like the beginning middle and the end and and No one really knows it's their peak when it's their peak because they think the best is yet to come, right? Yeah. yeah uh. So I always look at these things as like being temporal. That it's good now, but doesn't just because it's great now doesn't mean it's gonna be great in a year or a year after that. If you're if you don't really stay on top of it, uh, it's hard enough to have any success, but maintaining it is even harder.
2: Yeah. You gotta take it. You gotta value every second
1: absolutely. So everything
2: with, in consideration.
1: Yeah. I mean, and with municipal waste, I mean, you guys, like I said, you've, you've kind of in a weird way outlasted that whole kind of retro thing. Right. And now it's just kind of like municipal waste is just a legitimate bit. Ban- not that you weren't legitimate, but it's like not oh, part of, it's not, it's not part of some nostalgia thing. Right. It's just like, no, municipal waste is their, your, your own like little, like Seen in and of itself you know yeah we're happy we're
2: fortunate we're fortunate that people still care
1: yeah well i mean it's It's about you know what i mean yeah i mean that's a reflection though i I think of the material go ahead sorry
2: no 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 no. yeah sometimes people lose interest in things and we're we're lucky that people still care you know that's the way i look at it i'm lucky i'm i'm so lucky to still be sitting on a stage playing a drum set going around Going around the world, it's the most amazing thing in the world.
1: Absolutely, Um, you guys kind of took for my, I guess, what looked like a a hiatus. You know, because the the new record, Electrified Brain, comes out. Is it? It's not out yet, right? When does it come out? Yeah,
2: comes
1: out July first. July Um, Mm first. And the last full length album was in 2017, and and some of the other guys were, you know, uh, Tony and Phil were doing their other band, Iron Reagan. What was going on uh where the band seemed like it needed a little space or kind of distance from itself?
2: Well, everybody was doing their own thing at that point. I guess like, you know, you can only grind, you know, for the 250 shows a year for so long before you start and it's like I don't know, not go crazy. You know, you have to come up for some merit and like look at reevaluate things and sometimes you need something different every now and then you know, Ryan I was, ain't that different <laughs> yeah <laughs> well I was like uh you know I'm nuts about beer so I was running like a, a beer program in Richmond for a while for the for the oldest uh the first craft beer bar in town the commercial tap house that's but we were we weren't touring as much so I just picked that up to keep like I, I always got to be busy yeah you always got to make money too so absolutely so I was doing that and You know, and then, you know, and I guess I don't know, everybody, you know, I don't really have an answer besides that. Everybody needs time to do their own thing.
1: Just need a little, just a little breathing room.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then we took a little bit longer with the next one.
1: You, um, you started a a vegan food truck, too, as well?
2: Yeah, vegan food truck, and then now it turned into a brick and mortar. There you go. How's how's that going? It's okay, you know, uh, we're outside of the city. We don't get as much foot traffic as, as everyone else in the city. Uh, we would have more if we were there. But uh, it, we didn't close. I mean, we shut down for like a month or two during the pandemic. And then we pivoted and had to do takeout. It was really weird, man, when, when the world stopped for those couple of years. Uh, because right before that, the first year, our neighbors, they were pouring grease down the drain for years and it kind of broke and it flooded our whole place out jesus so we we were down for that and then we reopened finally and then COVID hit and we were down for that and had to repivot. it was it was wild but we're still going
1: that's amazing yeah.
2: and i love the food it's like vegan comfort food
1: there you go Listen.
2: The bridge for meat eaters
1: <laughs> well my, my girlfriend's vegan so i i consume a lot of vegan food and it's it's amazing now you know i would it's have said I wouldn't have said that like five or six years ago, but now it's like I'll tell you. You know what? You know what the real deal is. The vegan fried chicken. I don't know how they figure this out, but it's 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 insane. Insane.
2: It's, some of them better than others. I'm dying to try the Atlas Monroe woman's chicken. I haven't been able to find it. Who's that? Uh, some woman. Uh, she started a company, Atlas Monroe, and she was on Shark Tank, and they're like, "We'll give you this amount of money." And she's like, "Nah," and then she made like ten times of that on her own. Within a year, it's too smart. But where it's always sold out when I try and order it, I can't get it.
1: So is it a restaurant, or is it something you order like through the mail? No, it's, or a, it's a brand. Gotcha.
2: Yeah, well, you can mail order it in some places. Usually at their spots. Uh, I, I'm dying to try it. It's supposed to be really good. But yeah, you're well. in LA, so I hope you've eaten at Crossroads.
1: Yes, yes, I've been there uh, sev- several times because um, Kirk Hammett. Who I'm, I play in a band with, he's he, I, I, he's vegan for the for, for the most part, as far as I know, and we uh, we went there a couple times, and it's a uh, it's on point. Crossroads. Yeah, that
2: place is amazing. I was, yeah. I was blown away.
1: But there's I live in Long Beach, and I feel like there's even more vegan stuff in Long Beach than there is in just like regular L.A. Depending on depending on where you are, there's a place called Ahimsa Cafe has these chicken yeah. fingers that are just like. I like I said, I'm, I don't even know how they do it, man. It's crazy. Sign me up.
2: <laughs> See, that's the best thing about being vegan now and on on tour. It's so much easier to eat yeah. everywhere. It, yeah. it, it's limitless.
1: Especially and if you're in I a major way, city. And I
2: feel way better.
1: Yeah. You been, how long have you been vegan?
2: Uh, I went. I stopped eating dairy in 2019 before European tour. Okay. You know, when you go there and they give you all the cheese and all that stuff, you're like, I didn't eat any of that. It was It was tough. Yeah. I, when, how I did it is I started crossing things off my list. That's I just cross things off slowly yeah. until I, until I was done. And I came, you know, I love beer. Like I was saying, I drank a lot of beer on that tour, and I still came home eleven pounds lighter just from cutting the dairy out. Wow. Yeah, it, it made a big deal for me. It's I mean everybody's body is different; it reacts sure. different, but it worked great for me.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't eat a lot of dairy to to be, to begin with, so. Except ice cream, that's my that's my one. Yeah. Mm. And they're making
2: really nice they're making really nice vegan ice cream now too. Oh, I know.
1: I know. There's um what's the spot out here? It's like um something robot. We got like uh five like like they they had some deal with like five dude, it like five uh pints for whatever, twenty bucks or something. It was incredible. So yes, yeah. I know. And then there's this place afters that's kinda all over the um the um southern california that has this incredible like vegan chocolate chip stuff it's trust me i know we're there Sorry. we are, <laughs> we are we we are there like if you if you gave me like a regular hamburger and then like a beyond burger i feel like i wouldn't really know now
2: it's close very yeah. close
1: yeah so and i'm telling you I, I remember i was um my good friend denise kariki like she took me to like a vegan diner in brooklyn you know, this is maybe you know four or five years ago, maybe even earlier than that and being like being extremely underwhelmed like this is fucking whack. Like just, you know, just your, your face was just craving something better. It just wasn't up to snuff. And now it's just like it's 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 leaps, leaps and bounds. So I appreciate it. And go. What's the name? Of, what's the name of your place so people can go check it out?
2: Oh, uh, my uh, our place is called Hank's Face. What is it? hang space like hang,
1: hang out hang space hang space right on yeah. well i have to uh i have to go there when i when when i come to town i was, was the last time i was in uh, oh i was in richmond when i was uh filling in for mark morton's uh not even filling in i was just playing with mark go. morton's with his solo yeah. his solo band so i was i was there for okay. a couple of days so
2: well let me know next time you come in I'll
1: i let love richmond say. man i always have a good time when i'm there
2: richmond good people awesome. i love this
1: in it good bands yeah you know, uh the yeah, last there's band there's
2: just, let me plug a local band. There's this band called Spooky Cool here.
1: Spooky Cool.
2: <laughs> yeah, and they're my favorite Richmond band. They're dropping a like a new record next week and like a single or something like that. I can't even the closest I can come to explaining them would be like a world music like a King Crimson influenced world influenced pop. All right. They're awesome. Got it like it's such a great band, the drummer it's all non-traditional beats it's so hard to pigeonhole but they make everything work it's beautiful i'll send you some stuff
1: yeah I mean well i mean that's the one thing about you know the time i've i have gotten to spend in, in richmond is that there just seems to be a very vibrant uh artistic um community you know
2: yeah the cross-pollination is insane there's so many talented people here all walks of life so there's always new projects popping up and it's always really exciting that's that's what Another part why I really love being here.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. I I was saying because you know how like these uh, kind of quirky cities will become these hubs and, and will become trendy, right? So it was like trendy to move to Portland for a while, and then it was trendy to move to Austin for a while. And I was like, man, I'm like I think Richmond is is uh, is on deck. That might be the next spot that everyone wants to move to, or maybe it's already yeah. happened.
2: Yeah, I think people are trying to to uh, wave that flag. I don't know how I feel about it, but I'm a transplant, so I can't talk too much shit. No, you know what I mean?
1: no, you can't. Throw, yeah. Throwing stones at glass houses, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, you know, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know how old, how old you are, but you know, you've been, 50. you've been doing. You're fifty, okay. So you're okay. You're about about ten years older older than me. But you found these other things, you know, business wise and career wise outside of music that that obviously. Uh, you have a lot of passion for, but clearly you still, still love music. You have a, you know, this has a new record
2: coming out. I imagine you're going to be hitting the road quite a bit. We're going to be really busy and I'm psyched because the record's so awesome. We're all really happy with it. I can't wait for people to hear it. It's our best recording. The songs are great.
1: Who did you do it with? Arthur Risk. Okay.
2: And it's the first time, i've for the last, I don't know how many years, I've been. Throwing around the idea of, of playing with no uh, bottom heads, like old school style. Old school style. Wow! So during the whole time when we were, weren't been able to do anything, we'd rehearse, and I just took them off just so I get used to it. And man, they sound great on the record. It's a real, it's a great compliment for the style. That's awesome,
1: man. I got yeah. So I'm,
2: I'm, we're all happy with it every way possible. I can't wait for people to hear it.
1: So do you have, you know, and I think in this in this weird way, now we're kind of seeing the limitations of what people can do physically, right. In terms of playing, playing this music and, and just going forever. And I, I think what I've noticed is basically us musicians, we just will go until like, you know, literally like our arm falls off, like until you have to like physically pull us off the stage. It, this, this is something that um, doesn't really have an expiration date in terms of Uh, passion and the things we kind of get out of it is that how you see yourself
2: completely and there's always yeah and there's always some type of influence that you don't know is there that it rejuvenates that gives you another wind about it's 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 a constant cycle yeah i think you know i'll never grow tired of it i'll never grow tired of looking and hearing new looking for and hearing new music i'll never grow tired of trying new things it's what keeps me going. I love like I said earlier, like being lucky to, to play a drum set around the world that wherever I am, that connection with the crowd, it never gets old. Yeah. It's if you're it's like a basement or, you know, a, a summer festival in Europe, you know, which are way different sizes. Sure. That energy from both of those is so inspiring and, and intoxicating. It's amazing. I can't I wouldn't trade it for anything else in the world.
1: Is that, are you uh, someone that, do you connect more to the live environment than the studio or is it kind of equal?
2: No, I, I like them both, you know, it's it's live. Uh, it's, you know, it's a story that makes itself up. If you go for the recording, you're like, I don't know, for me, I like to rehearse until, over-rehearse until the songs are old and I only think about it and just play it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going, like I'm doing my homework, getting mentally prepared. to to know what i want but the live thing is you got to have that adjustment you got to be able to adjust on the fly because you have no idea what's coming every time you do but you never know what's going to happen so you always have to adjust that's what i like about the live thing it's always different and there's always a problem somehow so overcoming the problem is a lot of fun sometimes well you and you're go ahead like that time in Canada on the God, on the uh, Lamb of God tour, where the van broke down and we ran a truck and put everything in it and drove right there and walked up and played on your guys' equipment. Like literally, someone handed me sticks and we walked on and played. <laughs> Thank you again. <laughs> I,
1: hey man, you you would do the same for us.
2: Yeah, of course. But uh, that's one of those moments where live and touring it, it you know, it it energizes me it's it's weird but i don't know i can't explain it but i guess i did
1: no I, well i think it's uh it's the tightrope right like uh the more i guess chance for failure the more exciting it is
2: yeah i'm almost i'm I'm good when i get backed into a corner too
1: yeah <laughs> that's good good un- good well you, well you need that live being, being g- good under pressure i mean do you uh have you ever had that thing where, like, you like bust a snare head and you don't have a backup or something? You're up there, kind of. Yeah.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I think the worst thing is when the bass drum beater breaks. Yeah. Like the, the metal shaft. I have a list of everything that's gone wrong. And, you know, <laughs> chances are it'll go wrong again. But, you know, I used to beat myself up about everything when I was younger. Like, so, like, it'd be so upset if I didn't get that one drum fill right or if I didn't have the. Write symbols or drums for the for you know for a show. I it was all in my head. What did you learn over the hurdle? Every, every, you just got to adjust to everything.
1: Yeah, and and also just I was it. You also have to have a short memory. Like I I equate it to like, you know I'm, I guess I make a lot of sports analogies, uh but I think it it is appropriate because, you know you're gonna have a bad game right where you just you know you you. You strike out three times or you know you you miss all your three pointers but you know what there's always there's another game tomorrow and and if you're if you're worried about what didn't go right yesterday um obviously i think it's it's always like you know if i like blow a certain solo right obviously that next day i'm gonna practice that solo a bunch of times you know to kind of make sure i at least give myself the bedrock to the foundation to like not make the same mistakes twice i think that's that's the thing is you don't want to you want to learn from your mistakes and constantly improve. and and for me it's all about maintenance you know like sometimes i think when I, if i make mistakes it's more around because i'm not staying sharp with things or i'm just like oh it'll be fine i don't need to warm up i don't need to practice it. it's like no i'm not i'm i'm really not good enough to not um constantly be kind of sharpening the tools you know
2: yeah and then you don't want to you don't want to get in your own head. Oh, here comes that. Here comes that solo again. Absolutely, Shit. that happens. That, yeah, that... That, that's stressful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and then be well. The, you know, they, they call it like the yips, right? Where you're just in your head about this thing that you've done a million times, fine, and then you start screwing it up, man. And I and yeah. I think that's something about also repetition has a tendency to do that. When you just do something every day, it's just like yeah, you're... I, didn't,
2: I didn't know it was the yips. Thanks.
1: Yeah, well, it's just, again another sports term. I'm being uh, yeah. doing the same shit.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the Massey guys uh, have a name, Peter. If Peter showed up. Maybe messed up that part. <laughs> <laughs> that guy told me that a while ago.
1: Peter, are, are they sure they they don't mean like acid or
2: something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs>
1: You know, I, I, I don't listen. I don't know the condition with which they go on on stage, but I know they're, um, you know, free free willing um, artists. So I I, I can imagine there, there's all kinds of um, influences, you know, but yeah. I'll tell you the last time I saw Masson, best I've ever seen them. They've never sounded better. They're on fire.
2: Yeah. New records. Incredible. Unbelievable. I've, I've always been a fan and I'm so happy for those guys.
1: Yeah, they're they're killing it. I say if you look at it, think about it same four guys right no no band changes not one bad record no yeah. slip-ups most most consistent band in, in 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 rock and roll my opinion
2: i agree for sure you know? i've always been a fan the best. and if those guys talk about people that work their balls off. holy moly
1: <laughs> absolutely
2: absolutely yeah, I'm glad for them.
1: well listen dave uh this has been a lot of fun, man. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on this show. I'm glad we, you know, even though I, I don't think, I don't know if we, we talked about this before, but I'm just really glad we got to make this happen because, you know, you're someone I've known, you know, since I was literally in high school and, you know, we saw each other when you guys opened up for Volbeat, you know, a couple months ago. And yeah. it's just, uh, it's just, it's wonderful just to have uh people, part of your life uh for this long and, and still be a part of this, this community and, and. And it's just you know it's an absolute blessing man i'm just really happy for you and i'm you know i love you brother it's really just great hey, to see same you
2: same here doc I, I, same thing for sure it's always a pleasure to see you. i'm happy you're still going
1: hell yeah hell yeah well i'll see you soon on the road i'm sure we'll do some some festivals or all kinds of stuff will be happening and best of luck with the record i'm sure uh people are gonna love it and uh and yeah man be amazing yes. right? good luck with the restaurant good luck with if you are you still doing the beer thing
2: yeah.
1: No, no beer there, right? But he's still drinking yeah. beer, all right? Just, Just g- drinking it, yeah, yeah. Get him some, uh you know, micro <laughs> brews, all right? Some uh yeah, some, some artisan... at the
2: Blue Ridge Rock Fest.
1: Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. It's going to be good. i for
2: that.
1: All right, hopefully brother. Hopefully the same day. We're playing, uh, God forbid, well, I'm actually playing the festival twice. Uh, God forbid is playing on the 10th and Battles is playing on the 8th. I
2: think we're the 8th, so. I'll see you. Hell
1: yeah. All right, brother. You have a good day, all right? All right. See you, Doc. Thanks, man. Bye bye. Later. was electrified brain the title track from municipal waste brand new record which comes out july 1st on nuclear blast records that is how you start an album that sounds great and uh i love it when a band hasn't put a record out in a while and they kind of get shot out of a cannon and he's not he's not lying about that snare drum with the with no bottom head i i had no idea they sound like it. it sounds like a fucking cannon jesus you learn something every day Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dave. What a great guy, uh, amazing drummer, amazing musician, and you know, he's the real deal, okay? As they say, the uh, the genuine article. There's only a few of those out there, and I am uh, very lucky to uh, be able to call him a friend. So, what else is going on? I put out a poll. <laughs> I don't know if I was gonna talk about this, but I'm, I might as well. I think it's kind of funny. Um Totally off topic, but that's all right. I put out a poll on Twitter and I go, <laughs> I, ask, I ask people, I go, is Amber Heard uh, losing her role in Aquaman considered cancel culture? And I guess I, you know, this is like, it's only a few hours. I've got about 300 votes and 62% of people say, no, it's not cancel culture. And a couple of people brought up in the comments to go well they said she had a uh, bad chemistry with the with the cast and i'm like well that's that's convenient timing <laughs> after she loses the uh the case that all of a sudden her her bad chemistry is, is why she's out i heard she's not Also, someone said she's not uh it's not confirmed that she's fired but it just struck me a little a little strange cause i find that case to be uh peculiar i'm i'm not I don't think I'm interested in, in it in the same way other people are because I find it um, very voyeuristic kind of to look into the the kind of lurid details of someone's relationship. I feel very comfortable actually spending my time being concerned with it. It's one of those things that uh, took pop culture by storm, so you couldn't really avoid it. But uh, despite, I think, uh, the negative aspects of, of you know... Uh, what's revealed about Amber Heard's Herd's character, I find it the the parallel to the beginnings of cancel culture, or at least like the, the way the way me too movement and cancel culture kind of collided, you know, in, in, in 2020 it's interesting how that's mirrored here in that you could look at someone like, and I, and I, I remember talking about this when, when all this stuff happened on, on this show, with someone like Louis C.K. where regular people, you know, women would be angry at Louis C.K. or Kevin Spacey, even though Kevin Spacey seemed like he only fucked with guys for the most part. um, Where, like, the famous person was an avatar and a symbol for the person that abused them that they couldn't get uh, revenge or justice for. And I find that the Amber Heard thing for guys is almost the same thing is it's this uh the backlash against what is viewed to be cancel culture but they have really no problem when the same thing happens which is this idea that uh, you commit some type of uh, bad act and then it kind of filters into you being excised from polite society or, or losing a job and it's interesting that they say no, and it, and then I ask a follow-up question, and I go, um, if you're supposedly anti-against, actually, I think I, I worded that wrong. <laughs> if you're anti-cancel culture, I think I did a double negative there, are you only against it when it's deemed an unfair canceling? And 53% of people said yes, which tells me people don't, I don't think they really get it. I don't think it makes sense to call, only call it cancel culture when you don't like it. You know, it's like yeah, cancel culture also shunned Bill Cosby and R. Kelly. You it, you you kind of have to take the good with the bad, and and I think when people look at these things in these black and white terms, they they realize that it's we we do want people who fuck up really bad to suffer some consequences. The question is, what are those consequences? Is it fair? Is it not fair? Um, and it leaves this leaves so little room for for nuance the truth is plenty of people uh what has happened to them based on what they've done or not done uh has been overboard and i think we always want to try and find that that balance you know um and check ourselves on on hi- hypocrisy you know um it, it even made me think i was like i'm like you know what's kind of cancel culture before it was called cancel culture is Uh, try, if you think about it, right. When you find out some dirt on a politician, you know, something that may or may not even be that valid or really be a true reflection, but it's just something, oh, we, you know, I'm like, is it, isn't that kind of canceling them? It's like, well, they're now because, you know, Obama, his, his pastor said some crazy shit (laughs) in church. He shouldn't be president because it's a reflection of his, his values. And I'm like, is that like almost a form of that? I don't, I haven't really workshopped that internally, uh, but it's something I'm going to think about. I, I, I wonder if all these things are, are kind of connected, but I think we should be responsible with, uh, how we think about things. And it's like, oh, it's only cancel culture when I don't like it. That's a little dumb. All right. It's a, it's a little broader than that. So anyway, things to think about. I'm sure a lot of people disagree with me. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. Uh I got to run. Been enjoying the NBA finals. I hope you've you have too. I picked the Warriors. I wasn't feeling good. And now they're they're up three to two. So I guess I, I look good. But you know what? Two games two games to go. Boston came back against uh Milwaukee down three two. And actually, did they have game uh seven at home? I think they did. So we shall see. Even though actually, yeah, and they won they won game seven in Miami, so they've proven they can do it. You know, so we we shall see. But I'm gonna run. Thank you guys for listening to the show. And I'm 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 home for, I guess basically five of the next next six weeks. So I'm gonna be able to uh, really work on the pod and get you guys some great guests. So more good stuff in the future. Have a good one, Mama's out.